So many of you um, have heard the story of how Jimmy and I met. Um, some of you haven't, so I will give you the 15 second version. We were set up on a blind date. He thought it went well. I didn't. I attempted to communicate that I wasn't interested and we got into an argument over email. He ended up apologizing and we got married. <laughs> the end. <laughs> so there's obviously a lot that happened between him apologizing and us getting married that I won't get into now. But about two months into dating, I got this card in the mail. Let's see if you can see this. I am the one over and over again, one with a capital O. And in this card, which I'm not gonna read you the whole thing, but in this card, he wrote, I do think I'm the one for you. It doesn't mean with 100% certainty that we'll get married, but I think we will. And I just could not believe his audacity. Like, who does he think he is? Now, obviously by this point, I liked him because I was dating him, which if you knew me at the time was a miracle in and of itself. But I was riddled with so many fears about marriage and commitment and uncertainty about him and just wavering at different points about whether we should break up or not. But Jimmy, on the other hand, um, was single-minded. That's the only way I can describe it. And everything that he said or did during this period of time in some way, shape or form was towards this end um, of one day us getting married and living our lives together. And there's a saying that love is blind, um, but love also helps us to see. And in this instance, you know, love gave Jimmy clarity like the kind that had the audacity to say, I am the one. And I just couldn't help but be reminded of this, um, that line, I am the one, you know, in our gospel reading for today in Luke 4. Because when Jesus says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, it's kind of like the equivalent of him saying, I am the one. And far from it being this like sort of arrogant proclamation of like a narcissist who can't get over himself. I'm not saying that that's what Jimmy is, <laughs> but you know, far from being it being all about him, you know, Luke four crystallizes, you know, who Jesus is and what he is about, which is love itself. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So we started the season of Epiphany with the baptism of Jesus. And Luke tells us that the heavens opened up, the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove. And then this voice came from heaven saying, you are my son, the beloved. In you, I am well pleased. And the journey that leads to this moment started with belovedness. And you know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how beloved is where we begin. And that moment was the starting point for this moment. 
And Jesus was bringing the clarity of love, the clarity of his identity as the beloved son of God to this moment as he began his ministry. Loved from the beginning, precious in the eyes of God, and held in God's embrace. And he was bringing those truths and those promises of God embodied in him, the Messiah, like the flesh and blood expression of God's everlasting love, his everlasting covenant with the people of Israel. And through his life and his message, his words and his actions was saying, you are loved. Love brings clarity. And as Jesus reads the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, if you had to boil the life and ministry of Jesus down to one paragraph, like this is it, like this is it. This is what he was about, period. And we kind of tend to make like faith and life, um, church, Christianity so complicated. We run around like chickens with our heads cut off and we lose sight of the very thing that was so central that is central to the heart of God. And imagine being on the receiving end of that word from Isaiah. Imagine for the poor, the captives, the blind, the oppressed. In the ancient world, if you were any of those things, you were considered cursed, sinful, cast out. And to hear this, to hear these words, how would you feel? You'd feel seen and known and loved. So Henry Nouwen says that when we claim and constantly reclaim the truth of being the beloved, that we soon discover within ourselves a deep desire to reveal to others their own belovedness. And he shares a story about the, this community that he was part of called L'Arche. Maybe some of you have heard of it. And it's a community um, where uh, like adults who have mental and physical disabilities live together with companions. And he talks about how Janet, um, who was a member of uh, the L'Arche community, came up to him one day and asked him if he could give her a blessing. So just being a priest instinctually, he like made the sign of the cross on her forehead. But instead of being grateful, she just like protested, you know, passionately and said, no, that doesn't work. I want a real blessing. And then he suddenly realized just how sort of ritualistic, you know, his response was, and he apologized to her and he, he promised that when they, their community gathered together for their prayer service, that he would give her a real blessing when, the, when everyone was there. And so then he writes, after the service, when about 30 people were sitting in the circle on the floor, I said, Janet has asked me for a special blessing. She feels that she needs that now. As I was saying this, I didn't know what Janet really wanted, but Janet didn't leave me in doubt for very long. As soon as I had said, Janet has asked me for a blessing, she stood up and walked towards me. I was wearing a long white robe with ample sleeves covering my hands as well as my arms. Spontaneously, Janet put her arms around me and put her head against my chest. Without thinking, I covered her with my sleeves so that she almost vanished into the folds of my robe. As we held each other, I said, Janet, I want you to know that you are God's beloved daughter. You are precious 
in God's eyes. Your beautiful smile, your kindness to the people in your house, and all the good things you do show us what a beautiful human being you are. I know that you feel a little low these days, and there's some sadness in your heart, but I want you to remember who you are, a very special person, deeply loved by God and all the people who are here with you. As I said these words, Janet raised her head and looked at me and her broad smile showed that she had really heard and really received the blessing. And hearing those words spoken over her, it did something to her. The Dr. King talks about how love is creative, like love creates the reality of which it speaks in the here and now. Love brings good news, love releases, love heals, love liberates. Love is the creative force that brought the world into being. In Genesis 1, the earth was formless and void. Darkness was over the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. God said, let there be light and there was light. And God saw all that God created was good and blessed it. So love clarifies our identity and call and love creates the realities of which we speak. You know, love calls forth belovedness in people and wholeness and goodness and affirms who they are. And so when it comes to the poor and the blind and the captives and the oppressed, what it says is, I see you, I know you, and I love you. That's the call that comes from the love. That's the reality that, loves cre that love creates. But you know what else? love does. Love also creates conflict. Love creates conflict with anything that is not love. So in our gospel reading, you know, one could look at Jesus and be like, you know, why did she have to stir things up? You know, they were speaking well of you. And then you had to open your mouth and then all this conflict arose. Like it could have just stopped there. But Jesus saw their hearts. He saw that they wanted to domesticate the word of God for themselves. He saw that they didn't want the good news to go out to those that they deemed as outsiders. He saw that what was coming forth was not love, but blindness. I mean, if your first reaction to someone saying something that you don't like is throwing them off a cliff, there's something wrong. You're in bondage. And what Jesus was doing in that moment was he was calling that out like a doctor drawing poison out from a wound so that true healing and true freedom could come. Was it hard? Yes. Was it loving? Yes. Jesus can only operate in the truth that sets people free. So when you go on this journey with Jesus, you know, beginning with love, stepping out in love, blessing others and creating realities in love. I mean, you can bet your sweet patootie that all the principalities and powers of this dark world will come against you. 
internally those dark voices that say that you are not loved you're not good enough you're not smart enough you're not beautiful enough you're not young enough you're not spiritual enough you know all of those voices of self-rejection you know voices that say others you know especially your enemies that somehow they fall outside of the circle of god's love you know externally from both the left and from the right, you know, from systems that exist to belittle and oppress and to crush others. There is no love without conflict and a very real spiritual battle. But along with the clarity and the creativity and the conflict that love brings, there's also a fourth C that came to me like literally right before service started. And it's courage. Love gives courage. There's something just innate and instinctual in the human heart that when love is truly present, it has a way of casting out our fear. And what it doesn't mean is that we aren't afraid anymore, but it means that fear no longer sits enthroned as king of our hearts. Love does, Christ does. Paul writes, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. And so St. Peter's, you know, let love give us that clarity about who we are and what we are called to do in this world, to create the realities of which love speaks, good news to the poor, release for the captives, sight for the blind, freedom for the oppressed, the year of the Lord's favor, and let it give us courage for the conflict that is absolutely worth the fight. Because in the end, love wins. Just may it be so. And so would you just pray with me? Um, as we pray these realities into being. God, your word says that, um, that you are love from beginning to the end. Your word says um, that you loved us even before we were born, that you knit us together in our mother's wombs, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made in love. And God, we pray that in this new year, Lord, that your love would bring that clarity of sight and that clarity of call, that love would help us discern what you are calling us to. And God, we pray, would your love help us with courage, God, to step out into this world that desperately needs to know your love, to create the realities that lie at your very heart of love and give us courage, Lord, even in the face of resistance, um, to who you've called us to be and to call forth the belovedness of others, God, in our world. God, may that be true of us, Lord. May that be true of St. Peter's. May that be true of the church of Jesus Christ, God, in this time. So all this, God, we ask in the name of your son, Lord, the Lord of love, Jesus Christ. Amen.